Today on the Show Me Institute podcast, Dr. Susan Pendergrass is joined by Nathan Willett. Nathan is a high school math teacher in the Kansas City Public School District, as well as an intern at the Show Me Institute. They discuss Nathan's recent experience teaching from a distance due to the coronavirus pandemic and what's next for education. For more Show Me Institute podcasts, visit SoundCloud at soundcloud slash Institute and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Here's Dr. Susan Pendergrass and Nathan Willett. Off we go. Nathan Willett, so happy to talk to you this morning. Um, thanks for joining the podcast. And the reason I want to talk to you is because you're a high school teacher in Missouri, right? Yep. Uh, so I just finished up my second year and what a second year it was um, to end that way. But yeah, so two years teaching um, high school math. Nice. Um, some of us at the Show Me Institute have been spending the last few weeks digging into the 550 school district websites, you are now helping me with that, to figure out what happened when schools shut down in Missouri. So I think it would just be really interesting to hear from you, like what happened to your class? How many students did you have last year? Yeah, so I had roughly 120 students last year. So it was kind of crazy. It's Kansas City Public Schools was the first actually to cancel. They uh, canceled actually that Friday. and then Which all Friday? School, um, I believe it was the Friday before our spring break. So like uh, maybe March 14th? Yeah. You said you had 120 students? Yeah. How many would you say you saw daily online? Okay, so we were responsible. So Kansas City Public Schools, this is where I give them really good credit, um, what they did really well, um, is they required check-ins from uh, teachers almost immediately. You had a call and get in contact with each student slash uh, family um, three times, three attempts, um, and to kind of see what they needed in terms of resources, refer them to food resources, refer them to if they have technology that they need or, or Wi-Fi, um, and before getting the administration involved. So then if you couldn't get in contact, you made some you know great attempts, like you know, call them throughout a day, throughout a week, a couple of different times, then you'd, it would be sent to a list um, for the school district to kind of um, have certain people come in and really try to get in contact with the students. Did you so have I, students that yeah. fell into yeah, that? Yeah, so I found uh, I actually got in contact with all of my homeroom students. So they did every teacher is responsible for their homeroom. So that's how I okay. did that. Which actually I don't have any of the homeroom kids actually in my regular classes. So, <laughs> so then how often would you say you were teaching the kids that were in your regular classes? So I think you know, I my first week I did it. Uh, it was kind of cool because quarter four for. Um, us in algebra two is talking about exponentials and getting into a little bit of a statistics unit. So we kind of talked about the exponential growth of pandemics or, or the exponential growth uh, like tendencies. So it kind of related a little bit. Uh, so I kind of based my unit based on learning about COVID and how to deal with pandemics. And how did you do it? Did you do Google, Google classroom? classroom? Okay. Yeah. Google Classroom, and then uh, I made a little Instagram. That didn't work over that well because I only had about you know, 20 students interact with that. It was mostly Google Classroom that uh, that. And really did most of your students, students log in? Um, so the students that were either failing or had low grades or that they're seniors, they were the ones who really were the ones who participated because they had the incentive of either improving their grade or not failing the class because KCPS did do a whole harmless uh, policy. What's that grades. mean? <laughs> so that means that um, students cannot get lower than their third quarter uh, grade, um, but you still want to enhance, you know, give them some education opportunities if they were want to participate in. 
Um, but that was what, you know, after doing this project, I learned that majority of the school districts um, across the state of Missouri had, uh, did that policy. There's only very few that actually uh, graded fourth quarter work and said you are responsible um, during, uh, for right. all this learning during the pandemic. Do you know, do you have any teacher colleagues that, I mean, you're, you're new to teaching, you're younger, um, probably comfortable with technology. Did you have any colleagues that you know of that were really thrown off by this idea of having to go virtual? Yes, um, but KCPS did do a good job of it, incentivizing some of those teachers to kind of learn about it. They had some um, training that you could do. You could choose to participate in and get a little bit of stipend uh, mm -hmm. for that. Uh, which I thought was really good. Um, I only took a little bit advantage of it because I knew how to do most of that stuff. So it's just like proving that I knew how to do it, which I didn't really want to take the time to do that. Uh, but Google Classroom, they educated, um, they, get, they got a, a good little outline on how to do nice. that um, and how to do the Zoom or uh, Google, uh, Microsoft Team videos. Um, mm -hmm. They're really good at doing that. But yeah, there were some teachers that were, you know, were like, you know, converting over uh, what they typically would do in terms of PowerPoints, trying to make it a little bit more interesting because you can't do a traditional, um, um, you know, lecture to students. You have to break it down in five minutes of, of content because um, no students really want to log on for a whole eight hour school day. No, no. one's going to do that. So, I mean, I just think that there was a lot of learning loss. I mean, a lot of kids, if they, yeah. if they were happy with their grade, if they had a C and they were happy, they didn't really have to log on to anything you were doing, right? No, and they, they kind of figured that out a, a, a little bit towards the end. Um, sure. Some some miscommunication, but you know, I do agree with the policy of you know the, the hold harmless. Um, but it just sure like that was disruptive. No one saw yeah. this coming. It, it happened yeah. like you said very quickly. But now we're going to be talking about the twenty one twenty two school year, mm -hmm. and you know we I think every district needs to find a way to do perhaps some portion of virtual learning and count attendance and give grades. Like we can't, like we gotta be ready for this now. Yeah, absolutely. And you obviously knew that uh, DESE, you know, did not um, hold state testing this year. Actually, there'd be pretty much no way of really doing that. Um, they could do it online, uh, but yep. that would have been a nightmare um, trying to, uh, you know, set that up. But, uh, you know, the, the whole point of doing the end of course exam um, is to kind of see where students are at, where different school districts are at, sure. and we kind of lost that. Um, and that's, you know, that serves the students knowing so that So what will you do in the fall when you've got a new group of students? And I know you're changing school districts, but mm -hmm. you've got your new students. What are you going to do to figure out what, what happened with them this past spring? Yeah, kind of give them like, you know, kind of a basic test, kind of see different fundamentals and where they're at. And it's depending on what subject I'm, I'm teaching, if I'm with more of like, a, you know, calculus or stats, um, or if I'm more at an algebra one, um, if I'm dealing with ninth graders, I really want to make sure that they understand how to do some of the basic fractions, sure. portions, um, like some of that, you know, middle school math that really does matter to your foundations Yeah. Um, to be able to do well on the high school math. Well, so I was reading this, there's a, a gazillion surveys out there right now, like everyone is trying to survey students, parents, teachers, trying to figure out what happened, what we're doing. The Show Me Institute is more of a universal, we're trying to look at every school district, but um, I did see that this uh, one researcher did a, like a deep dive on one school, Midwest school district, he calls it, of 4,000 students, and he surveyed students, teachers, and parents, and I think he got like a thousand responses back, so he got a pretty broad um, 
representation. And what he found is that it was the high school students who suffered the most compared to middle and elementary, elementary the least and high school the most because on questions like, if I need help with schoolwork, someone I live with can help me figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're doing algebra two, Mm-hmm. then there, there's a good chance that there's not going to be another person in the household that if you have a question, you're going to be able to ask. And that's what high school students repeated, reported is that it was very true. that it was, it was not at all true that there was someone in their household they could turn to. Or if schoolwork is hard, I know who to contact, things like that. It was the high school students that felt the least supported. And I've even talked to people, mm-hmm. uh, people, you know, um, out in public who said that they weren't able to help their fourth graders with math. And Mm -hmm. I get that, you know, if you haven't been in school for a long time, not everyone's prepared to pick up and teach their kids algebra two, Mm -hmm. nor are you going to be online 24 hours a day, you know, when a student is working on their homework at nine o'clock at night. So I think that that's interesting to me. It's the high school students that really felt unsupported. So what, do you have any thoughts on like when you start in the fall, what to do about that? Yeah, and I think sometimes, or maybe part of that too, is like with the elementary level, you have more of the personal relationship with your teacher because you're with that teacher for the whole day. So that teacher really knows that those 25 students are the 25 students I must, you know, be in contact with. Sure. I have a couple of friends who were uh, elementary school, or are elementary school teachers, um, and they would do like an hour of reading along with students each day. And the parents love that um, to just, hey, let's have an hour where I can kind of focus on what I need to get done if the parent is working from home. Um, and um, and so the teacher would just read along different stories. She really enjoyed that. Plus that, you know, you get to kind of check in with your students during that time. With high school, like I said, I had 120 students and I have dealt, I mean, I've built great relationships with everyone, but let's be honest, can you manage 120 students very effectively? Sure and engage them and really provide individual input. It's different than uh, walking around the classroom during um, an assignment or during a new concept and kind of asking check-in questions here and there with the student. You can do that. You can pretty much figure out where the whole room is at within five minutes. If I was really trying to figure out how well a student was doing online, um, it would take me the the whole day for, for 20 kids. Yeah. Yeah. And like, what if you're a Spanish teacher and the parents don't know Spanish or what if you're, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. like math, I think is something that trips people up pretty easily and, and that can be hard to do. So then what, again, either this fall, theoretically, there could be a second wave of this. We have to go back fully, um, shut down the schools or the current guidelines for reopening are like no more than 15 students in a classroom. So you wouldn't have a classroom of 20 students. Somehow they're going to have to rearrange, um, you have to have only siblings sitting together on a bus with an empty seat in between. So buses might have to run two or three times and kids will be showing up at different times and having to leave at different times. And I don't know that any, you know, I'm sure districts are working on their plans now, but it's like a logistical nightmare. And yeah. so, and so another survey has found that one in five teachers said they're not going to go back. Like, yeah. I mean, that's overwhelming for teachers too, right? Yeah, I think it, I think it would be absolutely overwhelming. Um, and I'd also like to like point out, you know, some of those school districts are going to even think, why should we even resume in person if it's going to be more, if it's going to cost way more to educate and it's, if it's going to really even be worth it. It's like what businesses are, you know, you're able to have, you know, those 10 customers come in your store. Is it really worth opening your full operation of your store? Or should you just continue to carry out 
aspect of yeah, it. I think it's going to be very they similar. They have to, to educate the kids though. Exactly. No, exactly. So I think what you're going to have is more of a hybrid, more of a virtual learning. And I think that like, what what we're going to try to find out is, um, you know, through, through what this, you know, pandemic and the, the kind of the project that we were working on, which, which really worked for different school districts, which method, you know, um, and you're going to have to give a lot of choice to different, I think, I believe you should give with the parents and the child because they know what works for them best um, in terms of supporting where they are. Also, you're going to have over five, six months in between um, being in class to, uh, to within a teacher again, and you're going to have a lot of, um, there's going to be achievement gaps there, and those need to be addressed. And I think it disproportionately hurts, you know, some of the more underperforming uh, schools, those students are going to be the ones who need the support the most. And, you know, um, that's what real, I think really needs to be addressed as well. Those, those students need to have opportunities to fill in those achievement gaps. And, and, yeah. I, yeah. and let's be honest, like, you know, the, um, the internet service providers made free internet available for 60 days, which seemingly is over, but it was probably the most basic plan. So it's not, not, a good Wi-Fi system for a house. Students who would maybe go to McDonald's to use the Wi-Fi, that was closed. I mean, there was all of these logistical problems that, um, and the project that you're talking about is that we are, like I have said, trying to figure out what each of the 550, 520 districts did in Missouri. But I looked at a bunch of the small ones. We have some very small districts and they just printed homework packets and mm -hmm. had parents pick them up and then drop them back off. We mm -hmm. can't have homework packets be the solution for the fall. No, I mean, I think you hit on an important thing, which is parents going to want a, a lot of choices. Like if they don't like the virtual the, learning, go ahead. No, I just want to touch on your point on the packets. Even looking at the packets, even if they were to complete and fully understand all the information on there, it does not cover this learning standards set forth by the state. That's right. And, um, and it's just like not a satisfactory way of doing it. And so giving parents choices, I think is going to be very important because it could be that they don't even like the virtual learning being done by their district and they want to go to a virtual school that's been full. I mean, Florida has a virtual school that's been fully operational for 20 years, right? They're not trying to invent it, nor do we want, there's 15,000 school districts in the country, nor do we want 15,000 solutions, right? Like we need a, a handful of really good solutions and then parents should be able to pick them and not, have to and have the state pay for it, I think. But it's it's upsetting to me to read like what some of these districts were not able to do. You know, I understand their their um, their challenges uh, in rural areas, but you know, there's just far too many kids in the state that really didn't get any education this spring. Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting to see um, also the transition to the higher education for those students and. Oh, I wonder how universities will also address that as well in colleges. When the students aren't prepared? Yeah. I mean, we already have that issue with remedial course taking. In Missouri, you know, 90% of our kids get a high school diploma in four years, but the State Department of Education says that 42% of them measure as ready for college or career. So we already know we have this huge gap of students getting high school diplomas uh, without really having... Uh, master high school level coursework. You've talked about that with algebra, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. You have, um, yeah, math for our state has you know, tested um, over 50% of our students are not college ready in math. And, and the ACT percentage of passing is very low for math as well. Um, it, it's not 
uh, where it should be. Uh, but the one thing I really did notice, the school districts that did well, or what I would consider did well with the uh, transition to the online learning were, were school districts that already had that in place for their snow days. Um, yeah. Some suburban schools had that in place because I don't know if you remember last school year, we were dealing with the problem of snow days, at least in the Kansas City area. Um, we had well over uh, 10 snow days for a majority of the school districts around here, and they happened to be midweek. So that was really um, interrupting uh, the learning uh, for students who are doing and plus the routine. So uh, a lot of school districts were like, we don't really want to make up all these days. Um, at the end of the school year, we want to figure out how we can, you know, kind of find a happy, uh, you know, a, a solution to that. So they had some makeup days, but then once it reached a certain point, I think like after three day snow days, they started doing online learning for the few of the school districts and that worked you know, they kind of kind of got the kinks, you know, figured out with that. And then they're all set up for um, the pandemic. So yeah, theoretically, was, there should not be snow days anymore, right? Yeah, there, there we, may are, never we, be. To, we should have figured this out. So what are you prepared for come August or September? What do you think your classroom will look like? Like, what are you, uh, what I, are you I, doing I, to get ready for this? I'm just, you know, hoping that, uh, I mean, I hope that the kids are excited to be back, whatever it is, whatever extent uh, that we're, we're able to interact. I, I'm just expecting the unexpected and just trying to know that you're going to be flexible with whatever is thrown your way. Yeah, maybe some plexiglass dividers. I mean, I've seen all different sorts of classrooms in other countries that are being set up and they, it looks a little crazy. What about last, last thought, uh, summer school? Do you think that summer school should be happening right now? Um, yes, I, I believe so. And I, and I was talking actually to um, uh, another uh, friend who was more with the elementary school level kids. Their, their summer school is only going to happen if it's in person. And there's several, several school districts that are talked about. We're going to do in person as much as we can. So they're trying to push that back to maybe a later June, July date. Um, but then for high school, I've been seeing it's more going to be uh, offered virtual. But I think it's going to be very important for especially the elementary school kids to have that social interaction um, with their peers and you know kind of put some normalcy set uh, or get some back to some normalcy for them before mm -hmm. the school year starts um, in the fall. Plus the learning loss I think summer school yeah. and I know budgets are being hard hit but it's like we need summer school probably more than ever at least for some kids so you're not doing summer school though. Yeah uh, online so yeah. it's online but it's only uh yeah, four hours and it's very flexible. Nice. Well, good to talk to you. Um, it's going to be something that you'll always be able to look back on this, in the beginning of your teaching career that the school shut down. Um, and hopefully nothing, nothing more exciting than that ever happens. But that, that's, it's really good to get an insider's perspective because when I'm reading what's going on on district websites, it's not the same as talking to somebody who's actually been through it. So thanks for talking with me. Oh, it was great. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Show Me Institute podcast. Find more at showmeinstitute.org.